Hello and welcome. I'm your host on the Imperfectionist's monthly podcast. And my name, it's Dinah D. I'm so glad you're here to join me this month. It's just me this month. And, uh, and my woodpecker buddy, who has taken a liking to hanging around my studio in the mornings. So I get this uh, slightly out of time rhythm accompaniment to all of my thoughts in the mornings these days, which is kind of cool and helpful and kind of really not helpful. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. So for posterity six, it is late April 2020. And Canada has joined the world in a lockdown of sorts. COVID-19, the coronavirus, the pandemic. Here is this century's, I guess, second or third major virus, but the only one that's really locked down the whole world. I think it's kind of cool in some ways. And this episode, I'm hoping to talk a little bit about my own inner ruminations. I am a professional performing artist, (laughs) which means I tour primarily soft cedar venues, children's festivals, music festivals where lots of people are gathered, some community events such as wine festivals and whiskey tastings, private parties, hmm. Oh, award ceremonies kind of listing mentally my lists of gigs that are already canceled for this whole tour season. So yeah, I'm often gathering people together. I like to plan parties. I love to have fires on the beach. (sighs) I like to hang out with neighbors. It's, uh, this is tricky socially. So that's why I like to say physical distancing instead of social distancing, as far as my catchphrase for this time. I feel like staying home is not too much of a chore for me because I am a gardener and chicken farmer and I have a couple ducks and Trev and I are really enjoying reconstructing our felting shed. It is a plastic shed, you know, like a carport plastic shed, but it has a pallet floor and plywood. So we also have hot water running in it. We are very excited to very soon be able to get the funky bowler back up and running with an actual studio that's a little bit more sturdy than just a tarp uh, over some grass with a table under it. So we're very excited about this. And I would say that's kept Trev and I really busy. Other things we have been doing is we started a Facebook page called the Fun Farm Family Power Hour, and Trev and I have been doing hour-long entertainment segments uh, live on Facebook, which are hilarious sometimes. Um, We play horns badly, we race chicks, we have chick parades, we have... um, We do crafts, uh, juggling, music. Yeah, it's it's pretty easy to fill an hour at the fun farm. <laughs> and Trev and I have always wanted to work together, but the Kerplunks keep me busy full time with booking gigs and uh, writing grants and just getting, you know, keeping the wheels in motion, doing press releases and <laughs> writing the music and recording in the studio. It's literally a full time job. So it's been fantastic because that has slowed down. 
Trev and I have had a chance to figure out how we might work together, which has been really fun. So I feel like there are a lot of positives in this time and some really good headspace stuff, actually, that I want to talk about a little bit. And I also want to be realistic and address some of my concerns and circle back to the live performance issue. There are so many pluses and minuses to this pandemic lockdown that my brain is constantly flip-flopping between them. And I wouldn't say it causes me any stress at all because mostly it's just me thinking while I'm gardening or repotting tomatoes and, and uh, getting stuff ready to put out into the fun farm farm stand because we do have a farm stand where I'll sell uh, plant starts and we do sell eggs through there. Uh, we had to make a couple changes. Well, I we still have the, the money tin and people can choose to interface with that. But I also have my email address out there so people can e-transfer money so that we're not uh, passing possible germs around. Oh, wait, wait a minute. I just saw the woodpecker fly and it is a teeny tiny little thing. Brr, that makes sense because it's such a fast little. Brr, okay. It's got to be a downy because downies are teeny tiny. Uh, it has a little white patch on its back and it I saw a little flash of red and it had the whoo whoo kind of flight pattern of the woodpecker. But it was just tiny, like smaller than a robin. Oh my goodness. Or maybe that size. Cute. On the plus side of things, farm wise, I've been helping families get over 250 chicks and ducklings into their hands and that's really fun lots of peeping happens around here and then I carefully bag or box up the little chickies and we do I keep them inside my sweater and then we do a little handoff or I set them down just before the family arrives and then they come and pick them up uh, you know if this was a normal year uh, kids would just be able to reach in and grab their chicks out of the batch and just choose whatever they wanted. But this is this COVID uh, time, so we have to be extra germ careful. These are all things that farmers are having to consider. I've noticed a lot of farm stands are completely shut down and gone to box programs, a lot of farms, which I think is really smart. And uh, however, it does eliminate the, uh, the casual shoppers who just need a couple of carrots or something. I know I keep circling back to this, but now that the woodpecker's gone, I kind of miss him. <laughs> Enjoy this song by Alexandra Strelinsky. It is from the album Inscape, and the song title is Palafenetra de Teo. Thank you. 
It's times like this that I realize as a professional entertainer that in some ways my job is grant writer, travel agent, but I don't get paid until I step on stage. Often that is with an ensemble of people, so there's a lot of collaborative work, a lot of uh, group work, a lot of group think that happens in my job. So as the audiences are discouraged to come out, we're of course discouraged to perform. And so festivals are canceled, community gatherings, any clusters of human beings is canceled this entire summer. <laughs> ah, and that's what I do. Yep. Okay. So that's fine. I've come to that acceptance. Uh, the concern for me and perhaps the this this isn't it's not all rainbows and it's not all hunks of coal here so uh word okay i'm gonna backtrack a bit the music industry is a complex wheel at the hub of the wheel is the talent and the person who performs writes the material uh, sometimes they're all different people and then around it, you've got all the spokes and the spokes are things such as agents and, and producers and da 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 It goes on and on, engineers and bandmates. And on the outside, the tire holding it all together is the performance and the actual show or the actual recording. In some ways, it is the internet kind of to blame for some of what we're experiencing. It's too convenient to sit in and watch Netflix or YouTube or whatever and... Uh, space out on the couch instead of leaving your house and go and pay for a ticket. So because of that and because of the internet both devaluing the price of music, like actually purchasing of music, and it being too attractive to stay home because suddenly, hey, I can just watch Dinah perform live. The beginning of the devaluing of the music, the entire music industry started with the 99 cent song value in my eyes. So as soon as a song was worth only $1, that means that on a 12 song album, you're only selling it for $12. Uh, yeah. And at that time when, you know, iTunes came out, I'm, I just remember thinking, what, how, you know, what, what's going on here? Like, I, th I know how much it costs to make a song. It's about, uh, Safely, I would say $2,000, as high as $3,000 per song. That's how much it costs to make one song. So assuming you sell that song 3,000 times, that's great, but there's a lot of songs in the world. And is every song going to sell 3,000 times? Have we sold 3,000 copies of our first album? Yep, definitely. So I think we've sold 5,000 copies of our first album. Yeah, so it makes itself back at a buck a song. But we're talking about a 12-year timeline. So, yep, it's, it's possible. You can do it. That's 1,000 copies. So this whole musician's math just keeps going and going because, you know, we just released a 24-track lullaby album. So do the musician's math with that. And, uh, yeah, it didn't cost $2,000 a song because some of the songs are only 30 seconds long. Um, but it was an epic amount of money. <laughs> so 24 tracks times 3,000 uh, starts making for a real expensive album, which it was. So the music industry is so confusing. Basically, part of the show 
in the musician, in the business end of things, part of the show is the merch sales. So that is CDs, that's T-shirts, it's posters, it's just whatever the bands are selling as merchandise. And at some shows, a real clever band or a band really good at plugging their CDs and whatnot, they will sell as much merch as they will on their guarantee, as in the amount that they got paid or the ticket sales at the door. So with the CD kind of going by the wayside, and CDs being the biggest wedge of the merch sales, touring no longer makes sense. But bands can't stop touring because that's how you develop your audience and you have to play live for people. The whole system doesn't make as much sense without a physical copy of something to purchase for music or for something. So yeah, the whole industry has been tossed a little bit up uh, thanks to the MP3 invention, thanks to it being easier to just watch videos of live performances online. Get up off of that couch and dance and dance. I say, get up off of that couch and dance and dance. <laughs> what in the... <laughs> yes, audience atrophy and the internet. So interesting of a subject. And honestly, soft-seater theaters, which is primarily what we perform in, uh, have already seen a drop in attendance. Same with music festivals. I think most presenters would say, yeah, the internet played a big part. Slow Martini by Anne-Louise Chenet and the album Big Dream. I find myself thinking about the audience atrophy before CV-19, the pandemic, and I think about audience atrophy after it. So that is my biggest headspace taker-upper. Uh, audience development uh, in a theater setting, audience development in a festival setting. Uh, that does take up a little bit of headspace, but I'm also thinking about much more online engagement. And to me, that is actually on the exciting end of my headspace regarding this whole thing. Environmentally, this has been fantastic for the entire world to just take a big old deep breath. Socially, uh, the whole work world, I hope, I mean, I have so many hopes in the outset of this pandemic that I think they may be a little high and I should probably temper them a little bit, but I also have some hope for humanity to grow in all of this instead of flag or return to quote unquote normal. 
I would love to see the workforce of the entire world chill out, you know, like let's do four day work weeks. Let's do three day weekends. Why not? We need more downtime. We work our butts off, people. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Too many of us have been working too hard for too long. So if anything, this seems like a great opportunity to chill the flip out, people. Work less. Produce less. Sit and think more. Uh, seems like it would create a smarter culture. I could go for a smarter culture. How about you? This is Held My Head, fantastic band, The Bar Brothers. great time of isolation continues, I continue to think about more positives in it all. Of course, humanity has a way, or maybe it's just my brain, but humanity has a way, I find, of wanting to return to the state it was at before a certain incident occurred. I know it happened to me just a few years ago with my business, and I ended up getting it to the stage it was at before a major shift had happened. And I was very proud of myself for that. So as soon as this occurred, I thought, oh, no, that's what humanity wants to do. We want to return to the way that it was. Is that sustainable? Can we possibly? Is there a way to change that mindset? Will every company, every business, every worker go back after this amazing amount of time away from society and collecting, gathering and being with each other how will we come there has to be changes in the way that we come back together of course people want to continue their careers that they've built 
of course I want to go back to performing. Nothing more than go back to performing. But I'm willing to give the earth an opportunity to breathe. Thanks so much for sticking with my ruminations and thoughts here on the Imperfectionist Monthly Podcast. I'm your host, Dinah D. Take care out there, folks. Stay home, stay safe, plant a garden, raise some chickens, eat some eggs, do some baking. Ah, take a deep, deep breath. Used to Have a Ray Gun by Ben Soros. See you next month. Hang in there, world. We used to have a ray gun. It was good for everything. I never had to deal with problems like other human beings. It was no ordinary ray gun. It didn't just shoot to kill. It could change reality and even bend. you to like me I forget what I just said I dial up a setting and point it at your head it overpowered embarrassment it made mean people dumb it even vaporized traffic whole world was more fun I really love my Reagan
don't have a laboratory it's hard to find parts it's hard to find anything it's hard to get along it's hard to make friends hard to be long i really love my Reagan. Have a ray gun.